This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. to do from the from the new birth all the way through our walk with God God's trying to get us to align with his kingdom when you're in the will of God you're aligned with the kingdom isn't that right when you're living by faith you're aligned with the kingdom see the problem is is when when our words and our actions get contrary to the kingdom of God then you know what we basically do is we circumvent the laws of the kingdom. Amen? Uh, you know, I, I know this. Electricity has uh, certain laws that govern it. And I've on occasion have violated those laws. And it was not pleasant. You know? But I couldn't get mad and blame the electricity. How dare you electrocute me like that? How dare you, you know burn up the wires in this thing I'm working on. I mean, you know, it wasn't electricity's fault. And see, people, we get angry with God. Well, I don't understand, you know, why this and why that. Well, a lot of times it's because what? If we really were honest with ourselves and we're to look at it, we're not aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God. And see, we, we think, well, God will just do whatever he wants to whenever he wants to. Well, you know, there was a time hundreds and hundreds of years ago that, you know, what we understand now uh, with science and some of the laws that govern the natural uh, universe and this natural planet that we live on, we understand those laws better and we can manipulate them and we can use them for our benefit. We can channel them in a way so that, you know, we're not like, oh, this must be uh, magic or this must be this or this must be that. But, you know, why is it that the church hasn't grown the way that we, in, in spiritual things and in the kingdom of God, the way that what the world has grown through science and applying the natural laws. Amen? Amen. You know, 150 years ago, nobody ever heard of an airplane or a telephone. I mean, that just seemed like, that's just crazy. I remember when I was a kid growing up in the 60s, you know, and the TV program that was on then was uh, Star Trek. Now, for all you young ones, this is the original ones. <laughs> but, you know, they were using computers and, you know, they were taking out these devices to talk on to each other. And we thought, man, that's got to be, you know, that's got to be a couple of hundred years from now. It was less than 40. All that was happening. But yet in the spiritual realm, are we making the same kind of strides? Or are we still stuck in the, the infant, infancy stage where we're just like, like, you know, like our forebears, you know, several uh, hundred years ago that, you know, something happened. They didn't understand what was happening in the natural realm. So they just kind of, well, it was the capriciousness of a God or something happened. And we get like that in, the, in, the, in spiritual things. And we say, well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. Well, how in the world can we possibly fellowship with Him? How can we follow Him? How can we know His will if you don't know what He's going to do? Did you know that's really 
the, the worldview of the ancient Greeks with the ancient Greek gods. They thought that Zeus and all those gods were so capricious, you never could tell what they were going to do. I mean, one minute they might be mad at you and slap you down. The next minute they might, you know, do something good for you. But yet, in Christianity, we have that same kind of mindset too often. And so, as we're talking about this series, today we're going to be talking about faith for the journey. Because, you know, the Bible says this about Moses, you know, and the children of Israel when they came out. It says that the children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew his ways. And see, we need... To know the ways of God and how the kingdom of God and how God operates. Otherwise, we, get, uh, we act presumptuously. We have a wrong viewpoint about things. We get discouraged. We begin to, you know, just talk any kind of way. And we let fear dominate us. And all these things happen to us because, well, we don't understand how God works. We think God's just going to get his, you know, his magic wand out up there over the throne. And he's going to wave it over us. Hocus pocus. Pala. And we call that a miracle. Wow, look at that. Wasn't that great? Yeah. I wonder when God's going to do that again. Well, nobody knows. And so if you're the one that got the miracle, you're happy. But if you're the one that needs a miracle, might not be quite as happy. Come on. Okay. Our journey with God, we're on a faith journey with God. And it's just that. And it's a journey that requires faith. It's not just a matter of getting saved. And then just, you know, doing the best we can, and one day we're going to go and be with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good that we're going to go and be with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm happy, and I'm looking forward to it, and I want to go and be with Jesus. But we're not just left to ourselves. We're not just left as natural people to just do the best we can and try to figure it out and hope we can get by and hope we can make it to the end. That's not what God intended. That's not God's best. Right. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to seek first and live by the kingdom of God. That's what we just read. So we need to know how the kingdom operates. If I'm going to live by the kingdom of God. I mean, what's the use of... What's the purpose of money? Hoard it all up, right? Ah, man, I got money in the bank. Hot dog. I'm starving, but I got money in the bank. I ain't got no place to get in out of the weather, but I got money in the bank. I mean, that's the, that's the end result, right? It's just have money for money's sake, right? That's what we want. We just want money, right? No, the, the purpose of money is what? What it can do. Come on. Let's don't be all religious up in here. Because you can't eat money. You can't wear money. Hello? <laughs> It's what money can do for you. Well, why would Jesus say, seek and find the kingdom of God if it was of no benefit? But yet sometimes we get religious and say, if you're looking for the benefit, oh, you're being carnal. Well, then I guess Jesus was carnal because he's the one that commanded us to do it. He said, seek first the kingdom. Find the kingdom. If you find the kingdom. He said, there's peace, there's forgiveness, there's freedom, there's provision, there's blessing, there's purpose, there's direction, there's wisdom. All that's in the kingdom. Amen? It's not out here somewhere. It's in the kingdom. 
So here's the thing. That means if we're on a faith journey, we're, we're going to be required to grow, to change. Amen? Isn't change wonderful? You big fibbers. I kind of caught you there, didn't I, in mid-thought. Change, here's what I found out. After it happens, change is wonderful. <laughs> Isn't that right? I, I look now at, at what God's done in my life, and I still got a long way to go, but I'm, I'm happy about what God's done up to this point. But you know, when I was facing some of those changes and going through some of that process, I wasn't always happy. I know, I know, I should have been. Were you? <laughs> But see, I found out that the more I understand about how the kingdom operates, then when I am going through that process of change, uh, you know, even though my emotions and all might not be as happy about it, I can, I can be uh, uh, more calm about it, more at peace about it, and I can cooperate more with the process, and that makes it less painful, doesn't it? Sure it does. So we're going to look at faith for the journey today, and it's important to understand what's, what's happening. Now, let me just remind you, Paul said in Corinthians that all the things that were recorded that happened to uh, Israel, especially there in Egypt and coming out and coming into the promised land, he said those things were recorded and written for our example, for our admonition, so that we could look at those those things that happened to them, and have a spiritual application and give us understanding <clears throat> about how the kingdom of God operates and how God will work in our lives. Amen? Because we're on a journey. I said we're on a journey. It's a journey of faith. Say, I'm on a journey. Absolutely, you are, if you're a believer. Amen? Because, see, before I was saved, we were all in Egypt, in bondage, weren't we? But once we got saved, our sins were forgiven, we came into the kingdom of God, we got delivered from bondage. Yeah. <clears throat> so that brings us to our first point. Where does change begin? It begins, what? Where we put our faith in Jesus as Savior. That's where change begins. But all along the way after that, there are times and places where God initiates change in our life. What? So that what? We might grow spiritually. So we might discover more fully what His will and purpose is for our life, and so that what we can take that next step with Him. Yeah. Isn't that right? So I found out that initiation of change is usually preceded by a word or a leading of the Spirit of God. Look here as an example. Look in Exodus 3. Now we know that about the time of here in Exodus 3 that we're, we're going to be reading there was the, the Israelites had been in Egypt somewhere around 400 years, give or take. They had been there. Now, they weren't in servitude that whole time. Part of that time, they had favor. Because they came in, and Joseph, remember, he was second to, to, to Pharaoh. And when they came in, they were given some of the choice land, and they had favor there. But over the process of time, it says that a, there was a, a Pharaoh, uh, you know, came to power that did not know Joseph. Amen. And listen, we are living in a time, church, where uh, we can say in our culture now that they do not know Joseph. They do not know the Lord. 
I remember in my day, as young as I am, this is how, long, how short a time ago it's been. What are you laughing when I say that for? As young as I am, I can remember when uh, there was a Bible right up on the teacher's desk in the classroom. Right in plain view. And people were happy about it. There were no lawsuits. Nobody got on Facebook because it wasn't any Facebook. and said, oh, you know, they got a Bible in church. Oh, no, the, the, you know, the nation's going to hell. No, there was a Bible right there. There was a flag in the classroom. Doggone. And not only that, now, this is really going to blow you away. We prayed every day at school. Wow. See, that's when, what? We had favor. That's when Pharaoh, the government, see, they, at least there was some acknowledgement of God in our culture. There was at least some degree, a modicum of respect for God in our culture. You know, people say, well, you know, that, you know all, all this sin that, you know, is so open today, you know, well, that's always been here. Yeah, but at least there was enough salt where they didn't parade it. I know I'm old-fashioned, just like the Bible. But change is initiated and preceded by God. Now, notice here, real quickly, Exodus 3. Notice what it says. You know the story. Moses had been out for 40 years, you know, in the wilderness, you know, keeping the sheep and all of that. He saw the burning bush. I'm just giving you the background because we're not going to read all that. And so he saw a bush that was burning, but it never was consumed. Now, he said, I'm going to go outside and look at this. I probably would have too, wouldn't you? I would even today if I saw a bush burning and it wasn't burned up. And so, you know, God began to talk to him, take off your feet, you know, uh, your shoes from your feet. Uh, you know, this is holy ground. He began to talk to him and he said, the prayers, he said, the cries of my people have come up before me and I've come down to deliver them. Change is always initiated either by a word from God or a leading or movement of the Holy Spirit. That's true corporately, but it's also true personally. Christianity is about a relationship. It's about a relationship. It's not about just coming to church on Sundays and keeping my nose clean and, you know, not, not dipping snuff or kicking the cat. It's a relationship with a living God. God wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. He wants to have an ongoing, intimate relationship, personal relationship with you. That's why we can learn from one another. We can emulate the good things that God has done in, in each of our lives. But none of us are meant to be a copy. We're an original. You're an original. Thank God for what grandma knew. But we don't have to stay where grandma was. Amen? The idea. I mean, wouldn't it be something? Where would our culture and civilization be? Where every gener if in every generation we had to start all over again. Somebody had to invent the wheel. Then we had to learn about, you know, the fulcrum. How the laws of electricity work. About the time we reached where we were, then we had to start all over again. How far would we get? 
But in Christianity, why have we not stood on the shoulders of those who went before us in our walk of faith, in our understanding of God and the kingdom? Did you know that most of uh, the Christians in the early days, they, they didn't even have personally, they didn't even own personally one copy of one letter. There was one letter written to their local assembly or a copy of Paul's letter, but it was kept right there. And, you know, and they, they read it when they came on Sundays, but they didn't have it all during the week. They were dependent on the Holy Spirit and an ongoing relationship of faith with God. So here we're reading this. Now notice he said, he said speaking to Moses, I'm going to stretch out my hand. I'm going to strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people. So that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Now, if God had just set these people free, that would have been a whole lot. That probably would have been enough for most of them. If you, I mean, these people were slaves. They were in servitude. <clears throat> all they ever knew, this generation, was slavery. God says, I'm going to, he said, I'm not only going to set them free, but he says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you favor and I'm going to send you out so you're not empty handed. Look at your hands and say, I'm not empty handed. So you're going to have to look at your hands by faith. I'm not empty handed. You have the favor of God upon you. He said, <clears throat> Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and your daughters. Listen, when they went out of Egypt, they didn't go out in slaves' rags. They had some of the finest Armani suits that were in Egypt. Man, they were dressed to the nines. Any young people know what that means? I mean, to the hilt. They were, I mean, listen, they had silver, they had gold, they had the best Egyptian sandals money could buy. I mean, and this was at least one and a half to three million people, and they were going out in style. I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. That's probably why you don't have any of it. Listen, what I'm reading here, this is Old Testament. Everybody say Old Testament. And we're living in the, with better and, a be, and better promises. Well, if, if this is better than what we got, how could ours be better? <laughs> and he said, so you will plunder the Egyptians. Plunder the Egyptians. So, initiation of change in our life is preceded by a word from God. This is why I'm saying we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Isn't that what Jesus told the devil? Remember over Matthew 4? He was 40 days. I mean, you go 40 days without, without eating, what's probably on your mind? Not a Mercedes Benz. I want some food. And the, you know the devil tempted him to sit down. He said, if you're the son of God, command that these, word, uh, these rocks be turned to bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds. That word proceeds means that departs, that comes out of the mouth of God. Now let me ask you this. What word has God spoken to you right now? Not last year. Not last month. But right now. I keep an ongoing journal on my computer of words that God speaks to me when I'm in times of fellowshipping and praying, meditating, studying the Word. God speaks to me. It might be a, a word that he, he highlights out of the Scripture. It might be something else. But I am going to live by the proceeding Word of God. And if you're going to grow, if faith's going to grow in you, and if you're going to grow in the knowledge of God and in His will for your life, you need to have a proceeding Word of God for 2018. Amen? Now, I know there's some words that God gives us, you know, that we carry over into the next year. But you know what? I'm going to get fresh manna for today. But change is always initiated. What? You have a word from God. If you don't have a word from God, then it's not time to do something different. See, that's where we get in trouble. You know, some people, see, you can get a word from God or you can, you can get a word from your own imagination. I've had both. The word from God works a whole lot better than the word from my imagination. Anticipation is high at this point in time. Can you imagine when the children of Israel, I mean, man. They're dressed in the finest of Egyptian clothes. They got on their sandals. Man, they got all the gold and these precious stones are here. They've seen signs and wonders. God's moved mightily. All of a sudden, I've gone from being a slave to being, uh, being I'm prosperous now. I'm, man, I, I never wore clothes like this. I've never had anything like this. And all of a sudden, I found out that all those stories that grandpa, great-grandpa was telling me about, they're real. God's real. Shazam. You know, for Christians, if you would get back to the point of where God is real today. Thank God He was real for me back in 1976 when I got saved uh, praying over an old washing machine for an altar. Man, I've had, God's real. Wow. Remember how excited you were when you got saved and you found out God was real? Woo! Man, nobody could put fire, put water on your fire. Man, you were like blind Bartimaeus. People telling you now, you just need to shut up. You just got louder. <laughs> what happened? We, we don't have a preceding word today. So that reality of God is back there in the past. But God wants it to be today. Anticipation is high at the initiation of change. Everybody's excited. The excitement level is great. Praise God. God's, you know, He's moving us on. He's bringing change. He's giving us a word. He's moving by our spirit. Everybody's excited. I remember the first meeting we had here in Goodwin Hall. There was not 10 seats vacant. Everybody was excited. 
We're going out of Egypt. God's bringing change. We're all excited. Hallelujah. Everybody was here. Anticipation, excitement level was high. It was great. Man, we're going to be there by tomorrow. (laughs) Day after for sure. Now, a little bit over a year later. Come on. (laughs) See, the purpose of the transition is this, is that process precedes progress. And this is the part of change that our flesh does not like. Is the process. What's the purpose of transition? What's the purpose of transition? The children of Israel came out. I'm sure. I mean, you know, the excitement level was high. God had been moving in all these mighty ways. And all this kind of stuff was going on. Everything. I'm sure they thought, man, two, three days, we're going to be there. This is a snap. Man, did you see what God did? Did you see those frogs? Wow. Did you see... The Nile turned into blood. Wow. Did you see the Red Sea split? Wow. Did you see those hailstones came down and nailed that Egyptian? Wow. That one has been beating me and Grandpa. <laughs> wow. Man, God is awesome. God is mighty. Man, we, this is going to be a snap. Two weeks went by, they weren't there. A month went by, two months went by. A year went by, they still weren't there. Man, this is going to be a... I lost my snap. (laughs) I had it when we came out, it was going to be a snap. (laughs) The purpose of transition. He said, let's look over in uh, Deuteronomy 8. Let's look over there a minute. You know, I found this out. I I grew up in the country and worked on a farm. Not that we owned a farm. I just got to work on it. (laughs) So I kind of identify with the Egyptians. I mean, with the Israelites in Egypt. But anyway, you know, I found this out that, you know, the, the two times when the excitement was the highest, in farming was planting season and harvest season. Are you listening? Because in planting season, there was an anticipation. At harvest season, you could see the, the fruits of your labor. Isn't that right? But now, all that growing season where you had to take care of the thing and you had to, man, I can be out there chopping cotton. Some of y'all ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anybody know what a hoe is? H-O-E, you know. They used to have the, and you went down, when the, when the cotton would get up a certain height, you know, still pretty low, and, you know, the weeds and the grass would try to grow up or whatever, and so you, you went out there and you, you weeded it out, and sometimes it would be too thick, and, you, you know, you were taught how to, you know, exactly how, to, how much of the cotton to leave and make sure you get out. And I'm telling you, you 
you know, I know I was a kid, but you looked at that row and it looked like it was a mile long. Man, it start down here by the road and end up down there by the woods. Holy cow. And you looked out, man, I mean, I don't know how many acres it was. It looked like it was 200 acres. It was probably maybe 20 or 30. But, you know, a kid, it looked big. And, man, you're chopping that thing and the hot sun's coming down. You're chopping, you're chopping, you're chopping. Man, you're not out there going, oh, hallelujah, we get to chop cotton today. Hot dog. (laughs) No, sir, buddy. Man, oh, man, you didn't want to roll out of that bed and go do that. Come on. Here in uh, Deuteronomy 8, he said, He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land. Holy cow. With venomous snakes and scorpions. (laughs) He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. To humble and prove you so that in the end it might go well with you. The word there, to prove, means like an assayer. Now, an assayer, what they would do is, especially in the days where they were mining gold or, you know, and panning gold, you would take the gold, because, you know, when you got the gold, the gold wasn't out there, you know, in gold ingots, you know, and gold coins, and they went and picked up, hey, we got gold here. No, it was mixed up with dirt and with other rocks and with other minerals. It was all mixed in together. And so they would take it to an assayer, and what he would do is he would perform certain tests on it to separate it from there, and he could determine the purity and the, uh, and the volume amount within that. And based on that, he could give them a price of what their claim was worth. And he's saying here, he said, I led you through this difficult way. I led you through this process, he said, to assay or to prove you. Amen? What? To prove what? Attitudes? Are you listening? Uh, See, if we're going to live in the kingdom, we have to have a kingdom attitude. A kingdom attitude is not whining and complaining and murmuring and all of that. That's not a kingdom attitude. Amen? Do you know that there's none of that going on in heaven? Nobody's saying, doggone, look at these streets of gold. I wish they were silver. Why didn't God make them silver? If he'd made them silver, you know what people would have said? Why didn't he make them gold? (laughs) Jesus said, we played you a happy tune. You wouldn't dance. We played a dirge and you wouldn't mourn. Attitude. Motives need to be revealed. Motives. Why are, you know, why do we think if we, if we just had this, that would do it? Have you ever thought that way in your Christian walk at, at a time? If I have, I thought, boy, if I just get this, that will be it. I got this, and it won't that. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? It wasn't what I, it, it, you know, it was good, but it didn't last. I was happy, I was thankful, but it didn't last. And so, you know, what is our motivation for the kingdom? We want to see, you know, we want to see God glorified. We want to see God magnified. We want to reach people. We want to see lives changed. We want to see the glory of God. We want to see all these things that are part of the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you those. What, which one of those things can only happen if we have a building? 
I know churches that got beautiful buildings. And they had nobody's been saved there in decades. Are you listening? Sure. See, we see God's trying to He wants us to, to readjust our focus and align with Him. You read the book of Acts, and the be- beginning of the book of Acts, the church didn't own any property. But the Bible says God added daily to the church. Well, how could he do that without a building? Because we are the church, my dear brothers and sisters. As God has said, I will live in them. I will dwell in them. I will be their God. They will be my people. It's on now. It's time to get out of the waiting room into the delivery room. Our characters molded. And in Romans 12, 3, it says that as we grow and our minds are renewed, that's part of the growth, and our attitudes and things are changed, he said, what's going to happen? He said, you're going to be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you listening? I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm that different. I think I'm pretty normal, whatever that is. Oh, you laugh about it. Okay, so you let the cat out. But I mean, you know, in walking with God, I mean, I don't know. I just, I want to know what God wants. Now, I know some people can just go and make things happen. But my, my plan is always, I want to know what God wants. I don't want to just got to try to go and make something happen or, or go somewhere uh, because I thought, you know, this would be convenient or this would be convenient or that would be convenient. I've endeavored to follow the cloud. Whether it's where I live, the house I lived in, what I did, where I did it at, who I did it with. I always, I always endeavored to seek God. Now, I haven't been perfect at it, but it's always been my intent. And I found out this, it sure works out a whole lot better when he's involved. Isn't that right? And see, we can get caught up in the natural and we can decide that we're just going to, you know, we're going to make this thing happen. And a lot of times it's our insecurities coming out that causes us to act presumptuously. Amen. Remember King Saul? Man, he hadn't been installed as king very long before he faced his first crisis. God says, okay, the enemy was uh, amassing. The armies were arrayed against Israel. They were getting ready to attack. And here is Saul, and he's got his armies. And God said, wait. So here's Saul. Somebody says, boy, they're, they're, I'm telling you, the Philistines, they're growing every day, Saul. They're on your border. I think some people are leaving. <laughs> and they were. People started leaving. They, so what did Saul do? Instead of waiting on God, he acted out of his insecurities. He acted presumptuously. And when the prophet came, yeah, he won that battle. But remember what the prophet told him? 
He said, because you acted on your own, you acted presumptuously. He said, the kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to someone else. See, what David had, Saul could have had. So here's the thing. You want a momentary victory or a momentary respite from what you're going through? Or do you want the kingdom? I want the kingdom. Are you listening? So see, we, we can get impatient on the journey whether it's our journey for us personally or corporately, we can get impatient. We can act, in, in, you know, presumptuously. You know, we can go out and grab a building. And we can say, okay, God gave us this building. We just put that stamp on it. But that don't mean he did. Are you listening? Or whatever it is that he's leading you to do. He may be leading you to do something. We want to, you know... We can get insecure about it during the process. And instead of waiting for God and letting that word work out and the timing of God work out, we get in trouble. That's why a lot of times there's delay on the way. Now, here's the thing. Okay, now I'm, I'm wanting to help you out because if you're visiting here, this will apply to you personally. But I'm speaking to us as a church. You know, we can have delay on the way. Now, there was a time where God was, he, and he led them in such a way as to prove them, didn't he? But there ended up, the time period God had in t- store for them was multiplied man, man, many times over. Why? Because what? Of their attitude. Delay on the way. And the delay wasn't God's fault. It was the Israelites' fault, wasn't it? Because they finally got to the place where it was time to go in. And the same crowd that had murmured all along the way, complained all along the way, had said, let's, let's get another leader and let him take us back to Egypt. All that, that bunch finally got right up to Jordan. I'm amazed they got that far. I am. They got that far. But what happened when they got that far? You remember what happened in, in Numbers. Look over in Numbers chapter 9 real quickly. It is quiet out there. You thought it was going to be one of those shouting messages, didn't you? Well, it is. It is. I said it is. Because here's the thing. You know what? There could have been more than two that went in. God God didn't ordain that just two would go in. Joshua and Caleb, out of the original. Amen. His intent was that they all went in. But here's the thing. They didn't respond to the process. So they, basically what happened was they just... They eliminated themselves. God didn't say, you can't go in. He said, you can go in. He did everything to encourage them. Numbers 9, listen to this. We're talking about process precedes progress. 9.17. 
This is God leading them by the cloud. He said, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the, command, at the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at His command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at His command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. How inconvenient for God to do that to us. Now, here, you've got to understand, these people were camping out. Or you, you know what I mean? They had tents they were living in. They, you know, and they, they had their pots and pans either on their back or on a donkey or on a little pull cart. They had everything packed up. So to set up camp, they had to what? Unload everything, unpack everything, get their fire built. And about the time they just got everything just right, somebody said, The cloud's moving! How inconvenient of God. Why would he do that? Yeah, the first portable church. <laughs> See, and you thought it was new to us. <laughs> I mean, we're getting ready, but not, not because of our decision, but because they're doing some work here. We're getting ready to move over to Taylor Center. But how would you feel about it if every week we were in a different place? Boy. Don't want to think about that because I don't want to think about how many there would be. We could just stay home and have church at home, though. No. Sometimes the clouds stay from only from evening to morning. When it lifted in the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out, whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year. Wow. The Israelites would remain in camp and not set out, but when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with His command through Moses. Wow. Process. Process. I want everything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just as human as you are. In the natural, I want everything to be linear. Oh, God, let's do this, and then let's do this. Hey, i got a plan here, God. How about if we do this, and then, then you can do that, and then we can be over here, and then this can happen, and that can happen, and we'll all be happy, and you'll be happy, and Hallelujah. God says, how about this, son? How about you do my plan? Well, that's a good idea too, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Any of y'all know what I'm talking about in your own life? It's true, isn't it? It's, it's not. God, God doesn't do things at our convenience. It's about his plan. But notice what he said. At the end, what would happen? I will do you good. So go back to Saul. Do you want relief right now or do you want something bigger? The kingdom. Think about what Saul gave up. He's through, see, Saul, we, they could have been saying, blessed is he who, who is, comes in the name of Saul. Jesus, son of Saul. Go back over there and read it if you don't believe me. He said, he, said, God, he, said, he said, God was going to give you the kingdom. He said, but because you've proved yourself unworthy, he said, the kingdom is taken from you. It's going to be given to somebody else. Who was it given to? It was given to David, wasn't it? I mean, Saul kept, got to keep playing king for a few years. Is that what we want? 
We want to be like everybody else and we just look like everybody else. And if that's the case, let's just go join everybody else. Why go through all that? Isn't that right? But God has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for your plan. So delay on the way. It was different from what you thought. When God says, I want you to do this and I'm going to do this and we're going to do that. It's always different from what I thought. Amen. We put our building up for sale. I thought, man, it's probably going to be at least six months or a year. It was six weeks and that thing was sold. And I thought, we come here, man, we'll be here probably six months. And we'll, you know, I mean, man, we'll, we'll, we'll be out of this place in six months. And we'll be in something going something. Shows you, aren't you glad you're not following me? <laughs> Shows you what I know. Isn't that right? I mean, I don't, you know, what, what, I, I mean, you, I tell God, why'd you sell that quick? You got this long. He said, so that I could prove you. What's in your heart? What are you following after? Who are you following after? Isn't that right? I don't follow the God of convenience. I said, I don't follow the God of convenience. Different from what we thought. There's two words. I've got to close here. I'm not even year through, but I'm going to have to close. There's two words. I've mentioned these to you before in Scripture. That's translated into the English word time, T-I-M-E. That's chronos. We know that. That's hours and minutes. Amen. You know, like when you look at your watch, it's 5 to 12. Just in case you don't have yours on. That's chronos. And most of our life is governed by chronos, isn't it? When we get up, when we go to sleep, when we eat, when we go to work, how long we work. You know. And then the other word translated time is from the word kiros. And it means a set time for a set purpose. This is the word when it's, Jesus says in the fullness of time he was born. Kiros. In the fullness of kiros. And see what the problem is is when chronos battles kiros. See, that's what, that's what faced with Saul. Saul had a, a, a time where it was Kronos versus Kiros. In Kronos, things were going wrong for him. The enemy was amassing on his border. People were leaving him. But there was a Kiros, a set time when God was going to send the prophet down and everything was going to be fine. And so it's the same way with each of us. God speaks a word to us. Maybe it's a word, a word from, uh, from the Bible, uh, a portion of Scripture, or maybe it's, it's a prophetic word or a word that God speaks to you. So when you're fellowshipping in prayer with God, He speaks a word to you. Maybe it's about direction. Maybe it's about something uh, concerning His plan and purpose for your life. And at that moment, Kronos and Kiros. God, I ain't getting any younger. Kronos is speaking. Do you think Abraham had to battle Kronos and Kiros? My goodness. I mean, he was 75 before we got to promise. <laughs> Hello. See, we think, man, I'm over 30. It's all over. <laughs> I don't think that way, but I'm saying some people do. 75 before he got the promise. Then 80 rolled around. I'm sure Abraham thought, man, you know, going to have... Isaac, real soon here, I mean, you know, 80 rolls around, no Isaac. 
85 rolls around, still no Isaac. <clears throat> Lord, I'm getting, getting no younger here, you know. 90 rolls around, still no Isaac. You don't think at night, you don't think his head talked to him the same way yours talked to you? Sure he was. He was human. Man, you can imagine what his head and the devil was right there with him. Buddy, buddy, buddy. This ain't happening. I mean, you know, you ain't any younger than Sarah. She ain't any younger either. I mean, how many people you know, 90, that had their first child? Come on, talking, 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 talking. Kronos and Kiros. But see, here's the thing about faith. Faith, if you walk by faith, faith can transcend Kronos. And it says that Abraham, even though Kronos said hope is gone, Kiros and faith said God is true. So against hope, he believed in hope. Against hope in Kronos' time, he believed in the hope in the Kiros' time of God. God said it, it will surely come to pass. Well, i got to stop. My time's up. Mm-mm-mm. What has God spoken to you? Are you in a transition time maybe in your life personally? What has God spoken to you? What has God said to you? Maybe God's leading you in a, in a new direction. You're going to be faced with Kronos and Kiros battling each other. Because, see, God speaks in the Kronos of our life. I'm praying about direction. I'm praying about a need. I'm praying about, you know, for Passion Church or for my individual life, for your individual life, for my family. Right there in that moment, that's when I'm facing the need. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need deliverance. I need supply, whatever it is. That's, that's a, our need is always in the chronos, isn't it? It's right now. It's just, this is where my need is. And that's why we feel it so acutely because most of our life is governed by it. But then God speaks a word from you, maybe from the Bible, a promise or a portion of Scripture, or God speaks a word to your heart in prayer as you're fellowshipping and praying about this, and He speaks to that in Kronos. But the reality is that there is a Kiros for it. There is a time when God will bring it to pass. But during that time that God speaks it, and the, the, from the Kronos to the Kiros, we have a walk of faith. And we look to the Word of God we look to the character of God, the faithfulness of God. We, we allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us daily when we're tempted to doubt. We follow the cloud. Amen. We follow it, whether it's day. Because I've had the same thing happen. I'm sure you have. There are things I've prayed about, and that day I got the answer. I'm talking about in Kronos time. There's the other things I'm still believing God for. Some of you nodding your heads, you know what I'm talking about. So, here's the thing I'd ask you. How's your attitude? Is it trusting or is it complaining? Man, oh man. Sure is a long walk from the parking lot there to Goodwin Hall. I sure wish Pastor Norris would get on the ball or somebody. Hey, 
I'm human too. That's okay. I understand. But see, you need to be talking to Papa. And not only talking, you need to be listening to Papa. Amen? You know? And he shows you where that million dollars is. You go get it and bring it here. If he shows me where it is, I'll go get it and bring it here. Is that a deal? <laughs> and we don't need to limit him to just that way, do we? But how's our attitude? And then here's the thing. Are you struggling with insecurities? You know, our insecurities will lead us to act presumptuously. And, you know, insecurities in all our lives can really hurt us. But as a leader, an insecurity can really be a bad, bad, bad thing. And, you know, I'm purposing under God that I don't want to act out of an insecurity, you know. You know, I'm, I'm human just like Saul. People leave. Why? Because it's not convenient. I understand it's not convenient. You know, the, our transition team, every Sunday, what? They're just like the people here in Egypt or, or coming out of Egypt. They have to unpack and repack. They have to put it together and put it. See, when I pray here in just a couple of minutes and leave, they're going to be here another, at least another 30 minutes. They have to get here early. They have to unpack. They have to load. I understand that. You know, and in the natural, it grieves me to see them have to do that. But what do we want? Do we want a, a victory now or do we want the kingdom later? And see, if I act out of my insecurities, I'm just going to lead us all into the ditch. Because I know this, right now, this is where we're supposed to be. And when God leads us differently or says differently, then we're going to strike out. Amen? That's what we're going to do. So here's the thing. You know, in your own life, though, how are your insecurities? We all have them. Don't look so holy. We all have insecurities. Sure we do. God's working on us. Isn't that right? Man. You know, for a, you know, for a pastor or a leader, you know, his insecurity is, is people going to find out that he doesn't have all the answers. If you don't believe me, you come pastor for a month or two. It's true, isn't it? And if, if you're a leader in another sphere, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, people looking at you, you got, I mean, you're, you're the man, you're the woman. You got, a, you got the answers. You need to know the next thing to do. I'm just as dependent on God as you are. Amen. So, you know, if you feel like we need to be moving faster, then you need to get in God's ear. Isn't that right? Get in God's ear and start talking to Him. Say, God, talk to that hard head. Talk to that knot head. <laughs> Straighten Him out. Do whatever. However you want to pray. But, you know, you got to get in Papa's ear. Isn't that right? Amen. Absolutely. All right. Praise God. Well, I want to make some announcements. My time's run over just a little bit. I'm going to pray over you before you leave, but I want to just make some announcements right now. Our, our, the uh, National Day of Prayer is coming up this Thursday. <laughs>